Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Of our lives that corrupts us and separates us from God. You'll find any moment in your life that you do not feel close to God and you will discover, if you're honest, the reason you don't is something has come between you and God and that's something God calls sin. All have sinned, Paul says, and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, I don't want to be in that category. I don't want to be separated from God. But the scripture says that I am because of my sin. Well, what can I do about it? I guarantee you I'm considering something to do. You're considering something to do. Our minds are working on the problem. And we're coming up with some solutions as to how we might be acceptable to God. For if anybody will be honest with himself, this is the one thing he wants, and that is he wants God to want him. He wants God to accept him. He wants God to receive him at his death upon earth, and to be sure that he goes to heaven. I want that, don't you? Above everything else in life, the one thing I want is when I die to be assured that God's going to receive me. But the Lord says sin is going to keep that from happening because God will not accept us in a sinful state. So, in my mind, in your mind, we're going to figure out something we could do. Ah, got an idea. There are ten commandments. I know what I'll do. I'll keep the Ten Commandments. God will have to accept me. If I don't steal, kill, cheat, lie, commit adultery, honor mother and father, and all the other things that are contained within the Ten Commandments. Good idea. I am going to be saved by my deeds, by the things that I do. God will have to accept me. But verse 20 says... By the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified. Oh, he's done shot me down. By keeping the law, nobody is justified. So I can't make it that way. Well, I know what I'll do. I'll earn my salvation. I'll be so good that God will have to accept me on my goodness. I'll earn it. Do you know that this is the premise of every religion in the world with the exception of Christianity that you can earn your salvation? This is the only religion, the one you and I are a part of, the one that we claim we serve the eternal and the only God, the religion that we call Christianity, This is the only religion in the world that says you cannot be saved by your deeds. You can earn your salvation 
in Mohammedism and Shintoism and Buddhism and all the other isms. You can do something to acquire salvation, but Jesus Christ, we preach, will not accept a person who believes that he can be good enough to earn his way into eternal life. The standard of God is too high to achieve. For God requires perfection. And there's not one of us that can measure up to that standard. So if we're going to earn it, we're going to have to do something more than we know how to do. And there is no such thing. Two men went to enlist in a guard service that was very elite. One of the requirements was that you had to be exactly six feet tall. One fellow was five feet six. One was five eleven and a half. When they measured the young fellow who was five foot six, it was quite obvious that he couldn't qualify. There was no way in the world he could stretch six inches. But the fellow who was five eleven and a half felt very confident because he was almost tall enough, and he stretched and pulled and tugged to get that extra half inch as they measured him, and he couldn't do it. His argument was, I'm almost tall enough. Surely you will accept me. And they said, our standard is six feet. You can't make it. And this is the argument that mankind uses in trying to meet the standard of God in saying, we are almost good enough. But God says you have fallen short of the standard. How then can one be saved? For we cannot stretch ourselves to the point. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Paul says in verse 23. Well, salvation is based upon a different principle than being good enough to be saved. It's found in verse 24. There are three words in that verse that make the principle justified freely grace. Those are the three words. Let's do a study of some words. One of the good ways of preaching, I think, is to study individual words, and I think we can do it this morning. Look at the first word, justified. Folks, so there is a difference in God forgiving your sins and God justifying you. There's a difference in being forgiven and being justified. Let me illustrate it by the, the process of bankruptcy. When a person discovers that he has gotten himself in over his head and cannot possibly financially ever get out of debt, the government allows a process called bankruptcy by which you can go before the court and declare that my liabilities are far in excess of my assets and I throw myself on the mercy of the court and ask for forgiveness of my, of, of my debts. 
and you can get it. All that which you have uh, that you have as assets are liquidated with certain reservations, and but you can be forgiven of your debt. The problem is the person standing in the bankruptcy court still knows that he acquired the debt and it is morally due whether he ever has to pay it or not. But suppose in that process, before you walked into the bankruptcy court and stood before the judge and said to him, I beg for your mercy because I cannot pay my debts, but some wealthy person in your family had come along and had paid off every one of your creditors. Then you go to stand before the judge, and he asks you how you plead, and this time you can plead, I am not guilty, I have no debts, for they have been paid. My creditors have been satisfied. And the judge will say the charges are dismissed. The debt is paid. God has mercy upon us to forgive us our sins, but listen, the important thing is that when we stand before the judgment seat of God, we can say, I am justified. There are no debts that are not paid for Jesus Christ, my beloved Savior, paid my entire debt. And I have none. Freely, he says, you know that God does not charge. Anything you do in life, anything you want, somebody wants to pay for. You go to the store and bring your cart up to the counter. Don't try to go by with your cart full of groceries, for somebody will stop you because there is a charge. You fill up your automobile and there is a charge. You go to the courthouse for a document and there is a charge. There is an expected charge on everything that people do. But listen, God does not charge. Let me ask you how much you're willing to pay this morning for the sunshine that's falling down upon us. Can you pay for it? You cannot pay for it for two reasons. Number one, there is not enough money in the world to satisfy God to pay for what he gives. Secondly, you take it freely or you don't take it at all. God gives it. How much would you pay for your soul to assure its entrance into heaven? I'm sure you, like I, would say, if I have to pay for my entrance into heaven, I will scratch and dig and save every penny, but I'm sure when the time comes, I don't have enough money to even make the down payment, let alone satisfy the requirement of God. But the second reason is more important, and that is you're saved free, or you're not saved at all. You can't pay for it. The story is told of a lady who had a very ill daughter. 
who needed fresh fruit, and she was so poor that she could not go to the market and buy the fruit. But she went down the street, hoping that she might find some way to acquire some fruit, and she saw a basket of fruit sitting in the window of the palace of the king. And standing in that window was the son of the king. The son of the king saw that poor widow who was longing to have that basket of fruit. He picked up the basket and handed it to her. And she fumbled around in her purse trying to come up with a coin, which she did not have, in an effort to offer payment for the basket of fruit. And the king's son said, you cannot pay for it. First of all, the king is too wealthy to sell anything. He doesn't want to sell. Secondly, you're too poor to buy. Folk, this is our condition. The Lord will give it, but you can't even offer to buy it. You will take it freely or you won't take it at all. You can't become good enough. You can't become honest enough. You can't give enough money. You can't tend to church enough. You can't pray enough to satisfy the requirements placed upon you for the salvation of your soul. You will receive and I will receive salvation freely from God or I won't receive it and you won't receive it at all. Thirdly is the word grace. Grace we know is unmerited favor. It means getting something that we don't deserve. I am appalled at times at people who believe that society owes them a living, that the government owes them something. But I'm more appalled at the fact that there are people who believe that God owes them things. There are people who believe that God ought to set it up so that they have a good job and make money. God doesn't owe us a job. He doesn't owe us a meal on the table. He doesn't owe us clothing on our back and an automobile to drive. The debt is the other direction. God provides all things freely. It's unmerited love that we get, not something that we deserve. Then the word redemption. Notice it. When we had slave trade in this country, it was very common for the slaves to be placed upon the auction block, totally stripped of any clothing, for they were looked upon as nothing more than animals. But once in a while, a very God-fearing, compassionate man would come along. He would buy a slave, and then he would write out that slave's freedom on a piece of paper and give it to him and say, I give you your freedom. It cost the slave nothing. This is the condition to which we come to God. He has paid the price for our redemption. We had nothing whatever to offer. He expected nothing. He says, I give it to you freely. I have paid the price. Listen, the price was extreme. The price was the life of his own son, Jesus Christ, on the cross of Calvary. That's why we can see sing redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. 
Now look down a little further in the verse 25 at the word propitiation. You probably have to go home and look that up in a dictionary to understand what it means, but basically it means to appease. God is appeased by our faith. What God demands to satisfy the cost of our salvation is for us to receive Jesus Christ in faith. And he will be satisfied. He will be appeased. This is the only act that man has in the process of salvation is to believe. That's all. God does the rest. But you know what happens? The blood of Jesus Christ that was given on the cross of Calvary and flowed down onto the ground that we will depict in the Lord's Supper this morning the blood and the, uh, the juice and the bread representing the blood and the body of our Lord, many, many people trample that blood into the ground. Trample it into ground. Hebrews 10, 28 and 29 states that very fact. That the blood is trampled into the ground as of no significance. Back in the Old Testament, when the Hebrew people were about ready to leave Egypt, they were to kill the sacrificial lamb, they were to take the blood and smear it on the doorposts. I ask you, why did they smear it over the door and not on the threshold? Because the blood was not to be stepped upon. The blood was not to be trampled. The blood was not to be left in disrespect and abused, but was to be honored as the mechanism of the salvation of their souls and the forgiveness of their sins. The blood of Jesus Christ was on the cross, and as it dripped to the ground, the people walked through it. It abused him and scoffed him and considered him of no value and the blood as if it never happened, and tried to make their way into heaven by their good works or by their ability to somehow by God's favor. And the scripture says over and over, it is only by the blood of Jesus Christ given on the cross of Calvary, accepted in faith as the means for the forgiveness of sin, that a person can be saved. And it's free! And yet men will trump it into the ground. In the Old Testament, the blood of animals could be gotten over and over and over again. And God did not deal so harshly with the sins of man in Old Testament days as he deals with the sins of man today. And the reason is the blood of Jesus Christ is too precious to waste, too precious to trample, too precious to adore. Now he commands all men everywhere, man, woman, boy, and girl in this entire world to repent and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Without accepting the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I will never see heaven. Never. That's the only way. God made no other provision. No allowance for us to earn our salvation. No allowance for us to keep a certain amount of commandments. 
because all of us fall short of that. The only allowance is that in our sin, he will accept us if we believe in and receive what he has done for us, the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not a Christian this morning, you ought to become one. Because unless you accept Christ as your Savior, you'll never see the love of God. All you'll ever see is his wrath. But by receiving the Lord Jesus in your sins, and admit your sins, you can receive salvation given freely without Christ to you. Will you do it this morning? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.